forget about Frankenstein, Bigfoot, or Godzilla, there is a much bigger monster roaming around seeking to devour. So pride is destructive and can become an unleashed monster in no time. So any chance we take to attack our pride or beat it down is good. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. I'm so glad you're listening today. This podcast is to encourage you, you and I both, and any woman listening that we can be unshaken because of Christ, no matter our circumstances. Today's episode is 156, and welcome to our book chats. We're doing these each summer. It's sort of a book club right in your AirPods. Um, We, my guest host and I, will be discussing a book one time each month this summer, so June, July, and August. Let me introduce my guest host for these book chats, and honestly, my good friend, Erica Simpson. I'm so glad to have you back this summer to work through a new book. Well, thanks, Julie. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me, your generosity, and asking me to come back. It has been so fun. I've loved doing these with you and discussing these books that you've chosen Uh, I think they've been really good for me, I know, and hopefully a lot of other people. So just looking forward to it again this summer. And definitely the reason I picked them is because I think they're going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm being a little selfish, (laughs) but I think you're right. I think they're good for everyone to listen to. Erica, do you remember last summer we read through Learning Contentment Mm -hmm. by Nancy Wilson? And what was the book from the year before that? How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson. Yeah, that was just an easy book, right? Hey, both excellent, excellent books. And both are helpful to Eric and I, and I think they'd be helpful to you. So if you want, you can always head back to our archives and listen to those as you read along. Mm-hmm. So this summer, since Eric and I are both walking through, well, you just walked through being a mother of the bride, and yes. I will do that this upcoming weekend. Ow. I am a mother of the bride. We just need something easy for the summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I would just pick this book. Um, that's easy. Yes. Okay. I'm saying that with a lot of sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so drum roll, bleh, drum roll, please. We will be, thank you. Thank you. We will be reading. I <laughs> love that. That was excellent. We'll be reading Humility by CJ Mahaney. Mm. If you want to grab a copy from Amazon or whatever books are sold or wherever you buy books or even listen to it through an audio form. I actually love to listen to books through audio, and I love to read them. Mm. Like, I like to do both. I think at the same time helps me. Um, And since I've already read this book, I can tell you that it is actually not easy. But we're ready, right, Erica? Yep. Heart work is hard work, but it is good work. Um, Okay, before we jump into that, Erica, what verse has been a great source of encouragement to you this week or this month, and why? Well, um, I had just finished reading Genesis, and as I moved along, I was reading how God worked in the lives of the patriarchs, Mm -hmm. in particular Jacob. That one was just really standing out to me, and there was a verse where God was speaking to him about um, leaving the land that they had settled in, and this was the land that God had promised them, and so they're going to leave that land and go to Egypt, which was away from where they were to be settled, and God tells them that it is okay, because they'll bring him back, and Mm. I just found that really comforting as my seasonal life is the seasons of my life are changing um, and my kids are growing up and getting married and mm-hmm. they're all growing up. Um, and I'm sure a lot of moms feel that right now, but um, there are things that God is calling me to let go of and it's a fearful thing, but I really found that reassuring that he is in control and I'll just keep seeking him even though 
um, I am lessening and he is strong. And I, I didn't expect that encouragement, but God's word sure meets us where we are. Yeah, Erica, that's really helpful because you're right. As our kids grow up and move on, it, it can be fearful. And I love that God does meet us right where we're at. Mm-hmm. I've been reading Psalm 118 um, in preparation for something, and I have really found that reading a chapter or a passage over and over is so good for my soul. Mm. Psalm 118 is full of so much. And the opening verse is such a wonderful encouragement to me today. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. I just want to pause and repeat, His steadfast love endures forever. Mm. Like, wow. This passage is, um, in, it's actually repeated, this por- little section was repeated, I think, five times in this chapter. And I know that this particular, this phrase, his steadfast love endures forever, is repeated many times in the Psalms. Mm. And I know that repetition is super good, and it means take notice. Um, and I think that's really good for us. Um, can I just put in a little plug for rereading a passage over and over? Mm. Um, maybe someone's listening is struggling with a certain sin or an emotion that they've been dealing with. Go find a passage and read that over and over. <clears throat> or maybe, um, you know, maybe even memorize it. I think that's really good. It's sort of like a, a meditation on that passage. It's so helpful. And what a great encouragement to me this summer and all of my life to remember that his steadfast love endures forever. Mm, I love it. That's great. All right. I think we should get started. Are you ready, Erica? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. We're going to be reviewing four chapters today, chapters one through four. We're going to be, like I said, doing today's episode and then one in July and one in, in August. So you have some time to get caught up um, if you, you know, or to read along with us, I should say. So if you have not read chapters one through four, I encourage you actually to stop the podcast mm. and, um, you know, read them on your own first and make your own notes and then listen to what Erica and I have shared with you. Um that's good because I think God speaks to us and I don't want, we don't want to cloud your ideas or what mm-hmm. God's wanting to speak to you about it. Um, and obviously we are going to be going through this super fast. So we're not going to cover everything in every chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I encourage you to read them on your own. Um, okay. Erica, why don't you get us started with a summary of chapter one? Okay. Well, um, in a world, this is kind of some of this intro material, but in a world where people want to be great, C.J. Mahaney asks the question, what does God see as great? And humility is actually the bottom line. Mm -hmm. This is what gets God's attention. And so the author shows us how being really and truly humble is the path to being great among God's servants. Yeah. What about, um, are there any particular concepts or like definitions that we should think about before we get started into discussion of this chapter? Yeah, I kind Mm -hmm. of saw something... um, that was similar to the contentment book chat we did last oh, summer, yeah. um, where I'll talk about that in a minute. But this quote um, where he says, the pleasures, I believe this was by Calvin. I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry. So this isn't C.J. Mahaney. He's it's quoting, a, yes, yeah. someone else. The pleasures of humility are really the most refined, inward, and exquisite delights in the world. Hmm. And it reminds me of what we concluded about contentment, that the virtues of God have their own internal rewards. And it's more like because that inward peace of God surpasses all understanding, um, it's this upside downness of our faith, like mm. the foolishness of God overcomes the wisdom of the world. Things like the first shall be last, the last shall be first. It's almost underwhelming that service would be the way to become great. Mm. It's unexpected, but that's the way God is, that humility would be 
the way to greatness. And we'll talk about that as we go, um, how C.J. Mahaney pulls that out of this book. But um, Christ calls us to the greatest rewards, and that is through humility, Mm. a gentle and quiet spirit in the face of a raging world, um, a trust in God in the face of adversity. It's the yielded spirit, which has confidence in where God is leading and humility in the face of pride. It's just unexpected, but Mm. it reveals God most. Yeah, that's, I love your ideas that you shared there about the upside down values, Mm. because that's actually what the Bible is. It's just completely upside down compared to the world. Yeah. So that's good. Did you have a particular quote that stuck out to you in this chapter? Yeah, I really like the one I just mentioned, but also this one. um, Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Hmm. So humility is the inevitable result when we get a glimpse of God's glory and then we see our sinfulness. It's just the byproduct of seeing the greatness of God, our sinfulness. And, you know, how could we be anything but humble if if we understand this? So, so one of the things, as you shared that, made me think is we have to figure out how to do that contrast, mm. how to make that be a part of our lives, because for some reason, we're so easy to forget it. Yes. <laughs> and we start thinking we're better. I really liked this quote at the very, actually in the foreword, which we didn't even talk about that we should be lit reading. So mm. pause and go back and read the foreword, right? Um, in the book, I, I don't know if there's different forewords. There are. Oh, yours is different then. Yes. So yes, yours mine was, okay. mine was written by Joshua Harris, who actually okay. is no longer professing yes. faith in Christ. So but don't this one don't is read different. that one. Yeah. Re- read the one by Mark De- Dever. Dever, mm-hmm. I think. So his quote was: "Humility can take personal tragedies and find quiet reasons to rejoice in God's reliable goodness." Mm-hmm. I really thought about that because, um, and that is actually upside down values mm-hmm. that fits in so well with what you said, and I think it's just really helpful to think through the fact that. Humility, pride is all about what everybody sees and everything, but humility is a very inter, inside personal focus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on on the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Also, I loved this quote. It said, um, "God is decisively drawn to humility. The person who is humble is the one who draws God's attention, which nobody would think. Right. And in this sense, drawing His attention means attracting His grace, His unmerited kindness." Mm-hmm. You know, humility brings glory to God. It's not bringing glory to ourselves. And it actually draws God. You know, it's what he calls us to do. And that's what he wants us to be. So anyway, wow. That's a great beginning. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Erica, how does the Bible actually fit into this chapter, though? Because we don't just want to read a book. We want to make sure that it's actually biblical. Right. So just the last two paragraphs of this first chapter says that God gives grace to the humble. And I believe that's from James Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll quote it later as well. But so how are we building our lives? If we build with humility on the rock of Christ, the Bible says that our lives will stand. And I don't know what that looks like, except that it's an internal strength of, you know, lots of things can fall around you, but you will stand in Christ Mm -hmm. and into eternity and as a testimony to our generations and the people around us. So. Mm God gives grace to the humble is barely what is biblical about this chapter, I think. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that we're just covering little tidbits. Yeah. This is like a tidbit (laughs) podcast. Um, It really is good to read the chapter, but it kind of sets the stage for the whole book, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? It kind of leads us through and understands just basically what humility is and what pride is in the very first chapter. So Erica, what would be your personal application after reading chapter one 
Yeah. So just going on with that thought, it's just very cut and dry that God gives grace to the humble. So you plus humility equals God's grace. Mm. And I never, I never really looked at it so black and white before. I think I recognize humility is a path that God honors because it takes us out of the way, allowing us to honor God. But mm. this shows a direct cause and effect relationship that God gives grace to the humble. You can count on it. Hmm. So we really just have to figure out how do we pursue humbleness, mm. right? Yeah. Um, when you think about the world versus the Bible def- definition of proud or of pride, um, it really makes you rethink it because the world says, you know, oh, take pride in that, yeah. you know, or you should be so proud of yourself. Um, but that's just really a wrong view. And we, I think we have to be really careful because, well, we are in the world every day. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we, you know, are, have the right view, that we have the correct view of it. Right. And even how do you pursue humility without becoming proud about being humble? <laughs> Very just, good point. It's this constant, terrible cycle in our flesh. But um, yeah, it's just challenging. And even what you're talking about, take pride in that, you know, as parents there are different ways that we you know, may feel entitled to be proud. Like I try to often avoid that phrase with my kids. It seems kind of contrary to scripture, like understand it's showing, you know, yeah, you had a good work ethic or you did well there and you want to encourage your kids, but we all benefit from encouragement and not just our kids to each other. Um, And scripture tells us not to neglect encouraging one another daily. So how do we do that in a way that refreshes people and spurs them to keep going, but isn't flattery or empty words, you know? Um, maybe making sure that that encouragement has substance and cheers people to continue to do the good thing and to give Mm. glory to God. I think Mm -hmm. that's really good as a parent and a friend and all kinds of roles that we have and for ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about chapter one or should we move into chapter two? Well, I was just going to say that I love your comment about encouragement and I've, I've often heard and I have done this with my own kids and other people Mm -hmm. is it's not about encouraging them like in the way of saying, I'm proud of you that you got straight A's. Mm. It could be more focusing attention on what God has done in them. Mm. You know, that the reason you get straight A's is because it's not really because of you. Mm -hmm. It's because God has either given you the brain to retain the information, to take the test and get an A on it, or, or maybe someone doesn't get straight A's, but they're really a good athlete. Well, that's actually from God. Right. So I think that's a great way to flip that around and be reminding our kids that it isn't what you're doing. I mean, yes, they are studying, right? Or yes, they're, you know, they're running on the, uh, in the track field or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. But it is God at work in them. And anything that I can do is really given to me from God. I'm sure you would, you would agree with me, like the the talents and giftedness that we may have. I know you can sing and I cannot, and we are not going to listen to me sing, but that's from God. Yeah. If you can. I, and I can't sing anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. No, but I want to say like, yeah, that I think has been trying to help them recognize as well as our own selves to say, wait, I didn't do anything right. to receive this. So how am I going right. to steward it for God's yeah. glory? If I have it, if yeah. you have it, what are you going to do about yeah. it? Is it just going to be for your glory? Yes. That's empty. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if I love the word steward mm-hmm. because that reminds us that it's, it's us, you know, it's just like money. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. You're budgeting it. You're, you're being cautious with it. So the same, same thing is true with the talents God gives us mm-hmm. or the abilities he gives us. It's not for our glory. It's to be used for him. Amen. That's good. Okay. Let's jump into, let's do chapter two. All right. Chapter two. All right. Well, the title of chapter two is The Perils of Pride. 
I, I felt like we already hit the perils of pride, but <laughs> it walks us through um, the author's car challenges, which I can completely relate to. Mm-hmm. I found it really fun when people write, in, when the authors write like stories of real things, you yeah. know. He is not really a car guy, but doesn't want to admit it. He tells this humorous story that I found, thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps us focus on how easy it is to fall into pride. In fact, he tells us that pride is quite likely the very first sin, and I personally think probably one of the base sins of all other sins. Mm. Um, It's what caused Adam and Eve to sin in the garden, Um, Satan or Lucifer to fall from grace and rebel, great kings to fall, and it is by far the base sin for all other sins. Mm. John Stott is quoted as saying, pride is more than the first of the seven deadly sins. It is itself the essence of all sin. Mm. I just have to stop and think about that. Pride is the essence of all sin. Um, He also spent time talking about contending with God. And I think this is where I paused a lot in this chapter because it was extremely convicting to me. Um, Definitely read this chapter. Contending with God is really just self-glorification, right? It's seeing us and ourselves first and foremost. On page 32, at least in my book, I don't know, it could be a different page in a different book. It states pride takes innumerable forms, but has only one end self-glorification. And that's the motive and the ultimate purpose for pride to rob God of legitimate glory and to pursue self-glorification, contending for supremacy with him. And wow, I would never have thought that my pride would be me robbing God, but Mm -hmm. that was really convicting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Erica, what about, what about you? Do you have definitions or concepts that we need to think about as we go into this chapter? Yeah, so just as I was saying, you know, God gives grace to the humble, chapter one we see, but here is the flip side of that, where God actively opposes the proud. Um, And just, I was going to read through a few verses that he highlights, um, James 4, 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace toward the humble. Hmm. Proverbs 18, 13, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace <laughs> to the humble. I hear a theme here. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. So here we see that God actively opposes the proud, hmm. our pride. So, Well, that's, that's really good to pause at those verses. It's interesting, the repetition in them. Yeah, I'm hearing that even as I'm reading them. I yeah. wrote them down, but yes. So I was challenged by how the author would not only confess, just like you said, not only confess his pride in his own heart, um, but then he would also tell people when he was talking with them and he sees pride, he'd say, the statement that I just said was prideful. Would mm. you forgive me? What I just did was contend for supremacy with God. Yeah. I mean, whoa. that's what I I thought to say that to someone and what does that do what a good thing to do because pride is kind of insidious um it's just always there with us and I think I know I can get pretty comfy with my my pride like a cozy sweater or this little pet that I think I have on a leash and calling it the sin that it is though in that moment might bring a different effect rather than stroking it as we want to do right So there was a good Jonathan Edwards quote, and he said, pride is the worst viper that is in the heart and the most difficult sin to root out because it is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all lusts. So pride is destructive and can become an unleashed monster in no time. So any chance we take to attack our pride or beat it down is good. 
and we can keep it in better view and maybe be on guard to fight against it better. Yeah, that's um, the monster concept is pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's a great analogy, Mm. really good analogy, because obviously a monster is not out for our good in any way. Right. It just wants to take over. Um, One of the verses that I really liked that was listed in here is, um, and I think you you read this, Mm -hmm. but it was one, it was um, James 4, 6, and it is, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I think that's really helpful. I know we repeated that. You repeated that. Mm -hmm. But it is so good to be thinking about these verses. And we need to be like, pausing at these verses. I don't know. These are pretty common verses. Mm -hmm. And I so easily read through that book of James when it's that time of the year and I'm, you know, reading through James, um, you know, in my my Bible reading plan. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of read through it, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, oh, yep, move on to the Mm -hmm. next chapter, chapter five, now chapter six. And so I think we better pause. And I I love Mm -hmm. the idea of taking that verse or, or some of the verses that you read, Erica, and putting them on a, I don't know, put them on a screensaver on my phone or maybe on a note card over my kitchen sink, because I feel like I'm there all the time. <laughs> but anyway, and then being, th- and then, f- you know, meditating on them. Because uh, how easy I forget, how easy I forget, and I start to think, oh, look at me. Oh, right. Look at how amazing I am. Right. So what ap- personal applications did you find in this chapter, Julie? You've already shared a little bit, but what, what really struck out to you? Yeah, like everything. Can I just start there? <laughs> I'm just really challenged as I said, to think and ask if I'm contending for supremacy. Mm. I mean, I think that I would almost always have to answer yes. Yes, I am. Mm. I know questions are good. So um, I think asking a couple of questions to myself are a good idea. Like, am I contending for supremacy in this situation? I think actually asking myself that would be really good. And who am I honestly glorifying? And I think most often I would probably say me, Mm. like I'm there. If I really was honest, I mean, even in my own head, I can kind of make something I can lie to myself, mm-hmm. and I don't know why and how I do that, but it it, it happens. Um, I I found it interesting. My pride, my pride, I should say, can cause disunity. I really had not thought about that. Mm. Um, I don't think that pride is a sin often that really hurts other people, but it actually does because it causes division in the church and quarreling and arguing and comparing are really all outcrops of this pride that aid in this disunity. Mm. And <clears throat> if you look at churches that have had some sort of a, you know, a split, often there's pride involved. Mm. If you look at groups of people who have been friends for years, and then they're all of a sudden not friends anymore, usually there's pride involved. Mm. And I think pride can also, this was another chap, another thing that was something that convicted me, can mask itself as humility, can camouflage itself, because it's all what happens in our hearts. So for example, Mm. I know someone who, um, you know, like there would be a room of people sitting and there'd be like four chairs left. And someone would come in and this person would stand up and say, sit in my chair, which sounds great, except there were four chairs missing. So it was sort of a, um, a camouflaged pride. It was like, it looked like humility. Mm. It sort of acted like humility, but deep down inside that person really, I think, wanted the attention of being able to stand up and Mm. say, look at how kind I am. Look at how I serve people. And, um, you know, or, or, you know, the kids who purposely takes the last cookie I, I hang out with kids a lot, so I see this often, that they've been taught not to go first. So instead of just getting in line wherever they are, that's actually humility, is to just get in line the next person, you mm-hmm. know, in row. Um, that actually often is the right 
way to go about it, like mm-hmm. in a classroom. But they'll be like, oh, no, 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 I'll be last. Oh, I'll <laughs> take the last cookie. And really, even announcing it, yeah. you know, it's, it's also a little similar to the person, and I'm going to make a little ouchie for people, who goes on Facebook and says, I'm going to take, you know, I'm taking a, you know, a Facebook break. Because I think sometimes that comes out as, this is what you all should be doing because I'm doing it. Right. And I think it's seated in some pride. Right. And I mean, I think there's a term for that is virtue signaling. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yes. Out yes. in the world. That's yes. what that's called. But virtue signaling? Yes. Where oh. you're like, look at me, I'm doing the best thing. And that is a great title for that. Or uh, I've also heard humble brag, you yes. know, which might, yep. we might hear that more often. Yep. But I know it's insidious. That yes, you talk it is. About pride. It's, it is. Oh, we're probably all guilty. How about you, Erica? You got anything that no application in this chapter oh, at all? Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I do, and um, I, I was I do have an example. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Here's the honesty, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me boast about my pride. Um, <laughs> But I think I'm reminded of how pride is just always there. It's yeah. under the surface at the very least. And like I said earlier, humility is elusive because as soon as you think you've been humble, you're proud. So we're just hardwired for self-glorification because of the fall and yeah. because of sin. And so we have to constantly be aware. And I I will bring out that quote from Contentment where um, I can't remember the author, the, person who quoted it, but we're saying under, under, get the mm, under, right, you know, it's right. like this constant struggle against That was yourself. some old guy said that. Yeah, some old dead guy. <laughs> he was right. But um, I just think that it puts me in the mind of scripture in Genesis where God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Mm-hmm. It is seeking to devour you, but you must master it. And that if, takes me back to the monster concept. Uh, if we view pride as a monster, we will see that it is out to get us. Yes, crouching at the door, seeking to devour you. And I think also remembering that Satan is called the destroyer. He Mm -hmm. seeks to destroy, kill, and and devour. So um, if the root of all sin is pride and contending with God to take his glory, then being jealous or coveting, lustful, even murder, can probably, like you said earlier, be traced back to pride and selfish ambition. So it's an emptying of ourselves, and I don't have the answer to all this. I think taking up our daily cross, the Bible has the answer to all this. Right. <laughs> um, that we're inflicting continual wounds to our pride. This helps us contend for humility and to keep our sinful nature in submission to God instead of taking glory from Him. And I personally think, and I think Scripture says, this will be a daily battle mm-hmm. as long as we're in this fallen body. I mean... Won't it be wonderful to be in heaven and pride is finally gone? Yes. Like, oh, what a freedom that's going to be. So. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about how, um, and you brought out the fact that it's a daily battle mm. and it, it, we need to, we mm. can, we can ignore it. Yeah. And then when we ignore something, you know, it grows and grows and grows and grows, right? If we right. ignore the weeds in our garden, they grow so big and then pretty soon they, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all the other plants die because they have no sun or they, all the nutrients goes to these. And so I think that's a really good point, Erica, about how it needs to be something that we are dealing with every day. Mm. Like oh, we almost... Every moment. Yes, every moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But even, even if it's the question we ask ourselves before we go to bed and, and I, and, you know, like, um, where did I see pride in my heart today? Mm. Not did I, yeah. 
because when? the answer would be yes every yeah. single day for every single person. Right. But the answer more is where, and then maybe what should I do differently tomorrow? Like those are two good questions to, I love questions. Those are good. And we have to self-evaluate mm-hmm. and let the Holy Spirit work. So that's good. Okay. Let's move on to chapter three. Wow. We're whipping through these books or these chapters. Erica, give us a little, um, a summary of chapter three and maybe some definitions and concepts that we need to think about. Okay. So chapter three is titled greatness redefined and it's how Jesus takes greatness as we consider it and turns it upside down. So he shows us the better way. And this description is of James and John's mother, the sons of Zebedee. Um, she's actually asking for the place of honor for her sons and, in, in the kingdom of God, she asked Christ. And um, this always gets me a little bit because I recognize the same mm-hmm. pride in my own heart mm-hmm. as a mother, as a follower, um, like how the other disciples were indignant, you know, as a leader, maybe wanting to be favored. Um, and does it ever bother you that Jesus had three closest friends and one that Jesus loved particularly? Like, mm. why does that bother me? I don't like the term best friend. You know, mm-hmm. those are like right. ways that people are made distinctive. Or, right. um, and I think that is because it affects my pride, you know, my my selfish ambition. And I'm kind of exaggerating. I think it's great to have best right. friends. I'm of just course. getting to the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what do we think of like those situations where one wants to be closer than another or something? Mm-hmm. Um and on one hand, it seems like I'm saying all things should be equal with no distinctions, but it's not that. I think the terms of distinction poke at my pride. Mm-hmm. And we want to be the esteemed one, just like James yep. and John. We want the honor and distinction. We want the best seats at the banquet. Um, we want to be praised at the city gates. We want greatness. And when others are given that honor and we're not, it kind of burns us. Um, our pride is insulted and easily offended. Um, and okay, on I'm completely hand. convicted by that. Oh. Just, just <laughs> pausing here. Wow. Well, I'm embarrassed to say that because it's obviously a reflection of my prideful yeah. heart. So, but I mean, let's just be honest here. Yep. We're talking about humility. And so we can wound our pride, right? Yep. In, the, in the hope yep. of becoming more humble. So, right. Absolutely. On the other hand, if we were the one being given the honor, our pride would really readily assume that honor. We would be happy to receive the honor because we are the one being distinctly right. pointed out. So right. pride is ambitious. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's interesting here that even in this book, there is a way to greatness. Jesus isn't saying just be a doormat. Right. Be happy to be a doormat. Be happy to be last right. and, um, and, and no gain for you. Right. Um, that isn't what Christ is saying. He's actually saying... Um, don't pursue greatness in the way your pride wants to. So we might think that humility is being so self-abasing that we forsake the pursuit of greatness altogether, but that isn't accurate. Instead, Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, you have to go about it in the kingdom way, the upside down way of the cross. Mm. It's in the way that defies human pride. And here's how you do it. You go about it through service through humility, mm-hmm. by emptying out your selfish ambitions and seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And in doing these things, you will be given all the other things. Now, that doesn't mean everything is perfect. and But he's just saying your, your priorities will be so changed right. that you will get the best thing um, by seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And in doing these things, you will be so changed that you will get the best thing first. Mm. You will get Christ. 
And then all of the rest will be added into, and it will seem like an afterthought because Christ is that great. But the greatest treasure is something that you'll never see in your pride and your sin because you can't fathom it until you first seek Christ in humility because he is the most and he is the best. Hmm. Wow. That's really helpful to think through. And I mean, I think this, we should retitle this whole episode, like, you know, upside down values, <sighs> upside yes. down world, flip yeah. your world upside down. I don't know. That's true. Because really it's completely opposite of what we, our world says it's completely opposite of what we naturally mm-hmm. in our flesh want to do. Right. You know, so that's really helpful. Did, was there any quotes that stuck out to you the most in this chapter? Um, I liked this. C.J. Mahaney writes, Thankfully, Jesus is merciful and gentle with our pride-drenched hearts, mm-hmm. and just as he was with his errant disciples. It just really makes me grateful. What, a, what an interesting thing, pride-drenched hearts. Yes. You know, it's like that dirty kitchen towel that's mm. been soaking up stuff. Yeah, and, that's a good picture. Wow. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. Um, the quote that really hit me, the hardest, is hardest even a word? Yeah. Most hard. I say most hard. Anyway, (laughs) it's the last paragraph of the chapter. I'm just going to read this one for you. It says, so we have two opposing definitions, greatness as sinful and culturally defined versus greatness as biblically defined, which we just kind of spent time talking about. The conflict between them to this day battles in our hearts and we desperately need to be liberated. And it is the promise of the freedom from pride that Jesus holds out to us. Mm. Like this is not something we can do on our own. Mm. We cannot battle pride and we cannot win um, in this battle against pride. It has to be done with Christ. Mm. We have to have a relationship with Christ. We have to know him. We have to seek him. We have to be in prayer consistently. When I read something the other day in an email and some people were highlighted and I was not in the list, then I have to confess that I had a prideful thought. When someone else's kid's get lifted up and exalted for something they do, I have to pause and I have to evaluate it. And I have to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to pray right now about this and, right. and, and confess that I was prideful, that I thought it was bad that the other people's kids got highlighted, you know, mm-hmm. and I need to confess that it's Christ who gives us this. Mm-hmm. And then if even on the other side of it, if I am the one highlighted, if somebody says, oh, this is wonderful what you did, I have to confess my pride. Yeah. If I see my kids or my husband or... You know, someone says something about, you know, my, another group of people in my life that I love or something that I did, I have to confess my pride. I I think that's just really important in this. It's the only way we can really be liberated from pride is through Christ. Yeah. Wow. So how do you see the Bible fitting into this chapter, chapter three? Okay. I love the examples that were given in the chapter regarding the disciples. I mean, Erica, you already talked about some of this. Um, I always love, I really love how the disciples were real people and they were real sinners and they did stuff that I would do, you know, like, can I sit next to you, Lord, in the end, you know, Um, it's just a great reminder that God loves sinners. Mm. And anyway, the author tells how the disciples were often challenged with pride. They would want to know who would sit at the side of Jesus or who would be first. And Jesus knew their hearts, which he knows my heart. And he still taught them over and over about pride. Like he didn't expect them to be solved in one moment or one word from him. Mm. It's just not an easy fix. Yet Jesus lovingly calls them to change. And in Mark 10, 44 through 45, it says, Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom mm. for many. 
And I think just the the fact that he's giving this example that your your goal is to be really the servant of all. And then he did it. Mm. That's a loving way to speak to us. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say, Julie, are your personal application points from this? Well, I feel like there's so many things. And I sometimes, I don't know if if you felt this as you read this book, I felt a little overwhelmed Mm. by how many application (laughs) points I needed to have here. Okay, so I think um, I need to go back to questions because I do really well when I ask myself real questions, like where am I desiring to be first? Mm. And I just want to pause because I often desire to be first. Mm. So um, I hang out with kids often. I said that before. And I can see them so easily pushing to the front of the line, demanding their turn or expecting everything to be perfectly fair, which also is pride. Just on a side note. Um, You know, that's the concept, you know, that we all hear about, like you cut the cake and then I get to pick the first piece, right? This Mm -hmm. is how we're going to make everything fair. And I can hear myself saying, hey, you get what you get and you don't, you know, pitch a fit or Mm -hmm. you get what you get and you just have to be thankful for it. There's like a little common mantra Mm -hmm. working with kids. But for me, I was challenged in these same areas. And even though I am not lining up for the drinking fountain, I do have to ask myself, where do I push to the front of the line? Um, It's so easy for me to do this. I mean, I recently had a situation where um, I just, it just was like my innate response to just like push in front of other people to solve some problem. And they were totally fine doing it. Like I just... I don't know if it was just, it was just my, my knee jerk reaction. Like I just jumped in there and then I felt immediately convicted mm-hmm. and I apologized and I said, I'm so sorry. That was my, I don't even think I said that was my pride because I wasn't, I was too prideful to even say that mm-hmm. <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> but I apologized and I backed up, but I was really convicted by that. Mm-hmm. Or where do I demand my turn? You know, like she got to lead Bible study or she got to participate in this event or she got highlighted. Why am I not getting that? It's so easy to think we should have a turn at it. Mm. Where do I expect everything to be perfectly fair? So here's like the real ouchies. Like um, I've been a mother-in-law for a while. Erica, you have too. Mm-hmm. And we have to practice that everything is not going to be fair. Mm. And then I get to be mother of the bride mm-hmm. this week and this past month. And, you know, not everything is fair. And um, it kind of hits close to home. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe you've been married, you know, 35 years and, you know, it's really your mother-in-law that you're trying to work through. You know, we always have to think through these questions and ask ourselves, you know, Mm. does everything have to be perfectly fair? And of course the answer is no. And am I complaining? Because if I am, then it's my pride that I want more. Mm. What about you? Did you have anything that was challenging? Yeah, I think all of your questions are very challenging. (laughs) Um, I was thinking that pride can look different in different people. Like recently in our Bible study on the parables, I was leading and there was one lesson that just nailed the head on a sin that I was struggling with. Mm. And so as you're leading, I'm just facilitating, but as I'm speaking about it, it's tempting to like clean up my life enough for other people's viewpoints. So I don't want them to see that sin in me. Mm-hmm. And of course I want to avoid and confess sins right away, but that might be easier with visible sins, but where there's like a sin of the heart, I can hide it more easily. Mm-hmm. So instead of following my instinct to protect myself, um, I confessed it. And later I was embarrassed and I want to go back and give more explanation. Like, um, but as I was considering humility, I saw that it was my pride that wanted to give justifiable reasons for my sin. Hmm. Instead, I just needed to acknowledge the truth that it was sin and I need prayer to overcome it. So in humility, I confess it as sin 
and I ask for help and forgiveness and I just bear the, you know, I think the new, um, the King James calls it shame faced, mm. be shame faced and, you know, maybe have egg on your face or not always look in the best light. Yeah. Well, why do I always want to look in the best light? The truth is I'm a sinner yeah. and I need yep. God's grace and forgiveness. So maybe it's better that we show our sin sometimes. Um, and it can sometimes be a helpful thing and to overcome that. So you might think and, it's weakness. And I was just going to say, um, I think one thing that happens in that is that other people realize, oh, you're real. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, oh, yeah. Oh, if yeah. you are you're dealing with this, I'm dealing with this. <laughs> yes. And there's, there's a, actually it bonds us together more than pride does. I agree. Yeah. And, and you see the fruit of the Spirit come out more in those situations where you're willing to be humble yeah. because God... Yeah, exactly what you said. Um, but you might think it's a weakness, you know, to show or let people know your sin. And um, But that's what God wants from us, a mindset that doesn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Because hmm. it's in our weakness and our need that Christ is seen most. Right. And so in spite of the sin that I'm struggling with, I can turn to him in my need and see God graciously working. So the more I, I identify where I fall short of the glory of God, the more I appreciate the work Christ has done on the cross and I'm able to turn to him for strength. So I can actually be changed to leave mm -hmm. that sin and become more like Christ rather mm -hmm. than to hide it and never acknowledge I have right. that sin except to myself. Yeah, amen. Or maybe not even to myself. But right. So I'm not speaking here about sinning more so that grace may increase like Paul warns us against in Romans. But instead I'm saying that Christian hypocrisy can easily settle in when we want to appear blameless. Because we think that's what we're supposed to be. So we never show our weakness. And that's a dangerous place to be because hypocrisy sets in. And mm. hypocrisy is really pride to uphold an ideal or an image that you are actually not living out yourself. So we uphold this standard, um, but we would lie about where we are in relation to it. But mm. humility says, I know the standard and I have fallen short. Right. Um, or I want to meet the standard, <laughs> but I'm not. And so will you pray for me as mm. I as I want to live in honesty before God? Mm. And that takes humility. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. I I'm pausing because there's so much in what you said that is extremely convicting. And I think that's really powerful. Mm. I think this is um well, first off, I really like talking mm. about book chats with you because I enjoy this because I've learned picked up things that I didn't do when I read. Mm. So me too. let's just put a plug in for people to just, maybe if you are struggling with reading a book like this, then pick a friend mm. and say, hey, well, can we read one chapter a week for the rest of the next four months or something? I think there's 12 chapters in this book. And so you could get through it in three months, actually, mm. if you did that. And then just being able to share some things, because you do pick up insight from other people, and that is really good. Sure. Um, That's a great idea. Okay. So the, the next chapter that we're going to do, actually our last chapter today is chapter four. And this chapter is called Greatness Demonstrated. And right away in the chapter, right in the second paragraph, the author lists the essential truth, as he puts it, to learn true humility, we need more than a redefinition of greatness. We need even more than Jesus's personal example of humble service. What we need is his death. Mm. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. This separates him from any other sacrifice or other leader anywhere. We can't be humble or know humbleness truly without Christ. Even the most humble people are super prideful if they're not doing it for Christ. Makes me think of, um, you know, Mother Teresa 
or Princess Diana, mm. who did a lot of good in the world, yeah. really. And they went out and did a lot. But they weren't, if they're not doing it for Christ, then it actually is, looks like it's humility, but it's camouflaged as pride. Mm. And anytime we're not glorifying God or elevating praise in, in, in God, then we are not humble because we have put something over Christ. Wow. So that's chapter four. Wow. Were there any definitions or concepts that um, you think we need to think about or things that hit you? Yeah, the, um, the term ransom, um, mm. you know, I I think he talks about this a little bit, but, you know, I always imagine, um, you know, the ransom note in a movie. Oh, yeah. The letters are cut out from yes. magazines. Yes, I can like, see that. Give yes. us this money so you can get your child yeah. back. Um, but I like the definition of ransom that he highlights. So rather than bribe money from kidnappers, um, like we're familiar, it's a ransom represented the payment of a price required for deliverance from bondage, captivity, mm. and condemnation. So it's actually to set a slave free. Um, so thinking of the ransom that Christ paid on the cross shows us what it cost for prideful sinners to be set free from the bondage of sin. Mm. That's, so. a, that's good to kind of think through because like you're right, we don't, we don't really, sometimes you have to define the words because yeah. we don't really think about, it's we not a word I use way. very often either. Right. I don't, no. it's not like in my vocabulary to say ransom. So um, was there any quotes that stuck out to you? Um, I like this one. His sacrifice alone makes it possible for us to achieve and experience true greatness in God's eyes. So I think just this main p- point helps us understand humility most, that the only way to enter into true greatness is by humbling our pride, bowing before Christ, and accepting the work of Christ, the salvation that he Mm. did on the cross, that Jesus died to liberate us in his service, and um, we can have the greatness that God values through that. Mm. How about you, Julie? Um, Well, my quote really was at the very end of the chapter, so it kind of sums up a lot of what we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And C.J. Mahaney says, consider your own life for just a moment. Where would you be today if he hadn't ransomed you, if he hadn't liberated you? Mm. I'll tell you where. You would be a self-sufficient seeking to cultivate self-confidence for the purpose of self-glorification. I think that's my application as well today. I think it's interesting the word self showed up in there three times Mm. because that quote is all about self. You know, I I really do need to consider my own life in view of God's great gift of this ransom that he he saved me. He's called me out of darkness. Um, I need to keep the gospel of Jesus before me. Mm. You know, I think that's part of what we're talking about today. We often talk about you know, speaking the gospel. I've heard this over and over in different places. Speak the gospel to yourself. Well, that's not, that is, that sounds great. But what it really is, is saying, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an evil sinner. I deserve hell and death. Mm-hmm. My pride is actually one of the main sins that, that is a consistent sin in my life that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is what speaking the gospel to ourselves is. It's saying, I'm a sinner and, and I have Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the one who has gone before me. He is the one who, you know, has died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I mean, there are so many things about this peace that we have to have a part of our everyday. Mm. I think this is why um, I love to sing. I love to have um, church music. That's stupid to say, but you know what mm. I mean? Like so, like praise, praise music. Right. That's, that's more sophisticated. Praise music mm. on in my house or in my earbuds or in my car because those songs actually remind me mm. that I am... I'm a sinner, you know, and I need Christ. Mm, that's good. So that's something to do this week. Yeah, that's really practical. How does this um, chapter fit in to the Bible, Erica? Like, 
or maybe I should say, where does this chapter <laughs> fit into the Bible? Because <laughs> of course it's going to fit in the Bible. Right, right. Um, well, we have the 12 disciples once more in this chapter of Mark 10, and they're heading to Jerusalem. And I really liked how C.J. Mahaney draws out that when they're walking on the road with his disciples, scripture says that Jesus was leading the way. Mm. And there's a place in Isaiah that says his face was set like flint toward Jerusalem, where he... Uh, you know, what does that mean? Well, he's going to a city where he will be betrayed, mm. crucified, and hung on a cross to die. And um, he just, the author pulls out, he did it willingly. Mm. He wasn't being drugged behind. He wasn't, he led the way uh, with his disciples on the road. And they obviously didn't know what was ahead for Christ. And he tried to tell them, but they could never know what he was going to suffer. But Jesus knew, and he not only goes, but he leads them on the way. So, um, it's just a reminder that no one took his life from him. Jesus laid it down willingly in order to be our savior. Mm. So I really like that. I uh, just never thought of that before. But how about you, Julie? What was personal for you? Um, like I said earlier, remembering, I think that's really um, an important part of my day. Mm-hmm. I need to do that more. Remember what God has done, how he ransomed my life, how he liberated me from, well, honestly, from myself. Because we talked about how self is so much a part of pride. Um, it's just a daily work, a daily progress. Um, it's something I need to do daily. And I think that's the key mm-hmm. every single day. This is a great way to be humbled um, because really nothing I do is good of my own accord. Mm-hmm. And God ransomed me, an evil, vile sinner, to serve and worship him. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I don't do my dishes. It doesn't mean I don't fold my laundry or drive you know, to the grocery store or hang out with good friends. Um, those are all wonderful things and they're important, but it is that I have to have this in the back of my mind all the time. And I'm not good at that. You know, I'm not good at remembering that often I'm like thinking about myself and how I'm doing better at this or how I could do that better than that person, you know, or comparing. So I think that's, um, that's really my application. You have any application? I had a funny story this morning, actually. I was driving with my kids and, uh, somehow the topic came up of how, um, loving people and loving ourselves. And I, I made the comment, well, we never have to love, struggle to love ourselves. We all love ourselves plenty. And yeah. my son Ezra said, well, we know mom does. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I'm like, wow. What? Yes. I don't know why he said that, but obviously I needed a rebuke. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is yes, out of the mouths of babes. Exactly. Right? I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, God saves slaves to sin by ordaining that Jesus would die to pay the mm. ransom for the likes of us, for the likes of me, a sinner. And just like what we've been saying, but on top of that, he leads the way to die, mm. lay down his life for the likes of us because God so loved the world. And so I think it's just worth time for me to dwell on these truths because that in itself is the most humbling event of scripture. And it's also the door to being born again, being mm. made a new creation in Christ. And this is where the real greatness and truly being able to be pleasing to God is found in humility at the point of the cross and continued service in Christ, just getting out of the way, letting him use our lives however he sees fit. And um, somehow in an upside down way that brings him glory and us blessing. So Hmm. that is a great way to end our episode today because it is You're right. This is really about living upside down, Mm. right? Going backwards and looking at things from uh, a completely different perspective (laughs) than the world does. So, okay, well, join us in um, a few weeks on 
July 13th of 2023, as we will be talking about the next four chapters. Erica and I need a few time, few few weeks to read and process them. Yes, please. <laughs> um, but we'd love to have you for that. And also, don't forget, next week we will be um, jumping into an episode that actually is interesting that it comes right after this one. I didn't even plan this, but... Mm. We are going to be listening to kind of a throwback episode from our Mom to Mom ministry called Fruitful Challenges. And, you know, the interesting thing is it's all about the challenges we have as parents when perhaps we have a child who's special needs mm. or we have a child who has some kind of a, you know, physical or mental or emotional challenge um, and how we deal with that. Because, you know, anytime you have that, that probably is a little bit of a cut at your pride, mm. right? So anyway... Listen to that. I I will tell you it was very good. Mm, Sounds great. Erica, would you please pray for us today? Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience to endure with us. We thank you that you love us in spite of our um, falling short of your glory. We thank you that you're patient and kind. And I pray that we would have eyes to see our sin, that we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought but we should look at ourselves sober-mindedly and saying, I am a humble servant and may I, I've only done my duty and maybe not even not that very well. Um, and I say that just because our pride is right there, ready to take the glory from you. Um, I pray that you will use this book chat this summer and this book in our lives to help us build the kingdom for you and not for us. Uh, I pray that you'd bring unity to your church in these days and that we would serve um, with full hearts for you and love for one another. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbits. A tiny tidbit is a small piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Morgan Wing. Hi, Morgan. Hi. Welcome today. And what's your tiny tidbit? So one thing I was thinking about um, is hospitality is something my husband and I have tried to incorporate into our home. Um, And one thing that we've enjoyed doing is when we have others in our home, we like to share the things that we as a family love. So what this looks like for us is my husband will turn on the record player, put on some of our favorite music. Um, We might share our favorite recipe with guests or maybe we'll have our favorite ice cream for dessert. Um, This has helped us, you know, look forward to having guests Mm -hmm. over. We're doing things that we enjoy, but then also it gives other people a glimpse into our family. It's fun. We've had other people do this with us where, you know, we get to see the things that are quote unquote staples in other people's families. Mm -hmm. So we've seen, you know, new hobbies we would have never explored or new games or new recipes. And it's, it's been fun to get a snapshot into other people's lives, and it's been helpful to us to open up our lives mm-hmm. and really look forward to having people over. That's awesome. I love that that is a great way to avoid the comparison trap. Yeah, that's because true. Because you're just sharing what you love, and it doesn't matter if what you love is the same as the other people. That's true. And I have played a lot of board games at people's houses yeah. that I never would have played. Oh, <laughs> so. and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, in fact, usually we play the game, and then someone in my family goes, we need to buy that game, you yes, know? Yes. This game called Chameleon. Yes. It was like a big game we played at someone's house, and it is actually really fun. Oh, yeah, we were introduced to that, too, and we love it now. Yeah, so. right. probably by the same people, Probably. my guess. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. Yeah. Um, Okay, hey, 
We're so glad that you listened and joined us today for today's episode. Just a reminder to listen next week as we will be listening to a mom-to-mom throwback episode called Fruitful Challenges. And um, I just want to remind you to head over to our social media at Women of the Word CTW on Instagram and Facebook. Join us, like us, follow us, whatever it requires, and get some great content every day. Uh, Little reminders of the truths, information about upcoming podcasts. On Wednesday, we put out our planted blog post, which is always good. Lots of good stuff. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Podbean, anywhere you listen. We are there and we are ready for you to listen. Lots of great content over the years. Um, We've actually been doing this for, I think, two and a half, almost three years now. Actually, it'll be three years this July. Um, Anyway, so it has been great. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.